So here we are, right in the middle of what feels like an enchanted forest, really, uh, near Leicestershire uh, in Coney Woods. And just popped out of the mind tent, so we're in the mind, body and soul arena, and um, just been witnessing a wonderful talk with a man that I've been sort of skirting around the edges for for rather a long time now in Ibiza. And uh, finally, here we are. He's got his little naked tootsies on the floor and um, just delighted and blessed and honoured to be uh, in the presence of Mr. Bruce Parry. Hey, Joe. It's so nice to have you here, and you're just really looking about as authentic as I uh, remember you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So how, I mean, you know, that talk you gave was epic, and, you know, for a whole hour as well, but it, I mean, there's just so many things that you could have shared with the community that are gathered here for this uh, festival this weekend. I mean, that was clearly, you know, a great, great thing that you wanted to talk about, which is, of course, one of the biggest learnings that you've taken away with you from all these wonderful experiences you've had in tribes all over the world. So, I mean, for people that obviously weren't there on this podcast who are listening, what was that message, if you don't mind, in brief, in a nutshell, if that's even possible, to just kind of go into a few of the themes that you touched upon? You want my last hour in two minutes. Okay. (laughs) Well... Yeah, you know, I was really struck by, obviously I learned a lot on my journeys, but one group in particular really struck me called the Penan, and I just wanted to share a little bit about them and their egalitarian ways, and uh, also about how it is that we might learn from them and bring that sort of message of a different way of being into our lives today, how they might have created that, how we might have once sort of had a bit of a revolution, actually. So this talk was about revolution and power and equality. I think, yeah, I mean, that's what obviously came across was the fact that you are very passionate about this kind of non-hierarchical kind of, yeah, way of being that obviously doesn't exist in Ibiza, for example, where you used to live. And there's a lot of, like, you know, differentiation between people who have buckets of cash and people that are kind of, like, winging it, like me. Um, But it was, you know, it's an interesting thing to observe, that kind of, you know, extreme disparity that exists in this world and this idea that you are now basically planning to walk your walk and set up your own little community here back in England you haven't even been flying this year it's a beautiful thing to witness and it's rare it's so rare to find someone that's actually willing to really seriously give stuff up to to do what they actually believe in <laughs> don't put me on too big a pedestal just yet Joe <laughs> at the moment it's just me in my in my little community so is I'm a long way away from uh, bringing anything into into reality but that's the plan yeah that's the plan that's kind of why I came back to be here and try and do that and uh, so I've moved to Wales and I've got a little plot and we're going to put in some trees and have some people come and live with me and share the space fully like literally ownership and everything and and um, get on with living our lives more locally and more in tune with the sort of lessons I've learned on my trips how are you going to cope with the bum fight of the people that actually want to come and live with you because it seemed like the entire tent was like pick me it was like that PE kind of moment where you know you're sort of waiting in line last but there was a lady at the back that looked uh, pretty like a keen as mustard <laughs> it's weird actually because like in its own right that's f- the whole trip that I'm on is trying to look at power and how we can diffuse power because I do believe that we're happier having had the privilege of living people with people who understand how to not let power get out of hand um, that that's something that I think that I'd like to emulate in my life but being in a situation where now I'm having almost a cherry pick is its own form of power so that's a weird trip in its own right and I'm, I've, I've come up with a few ideas of uh, how I might get around that but yeah it's it's very hard to sort of shift paradigms and like another... what you can't say things like that and not, not tell us what those ideas are well you know when I started out I already had a group of people that was going to come and live with me and so that was easy because I already had it and everyone else is like oh you're starting a tri- tribe can I come and join you and it's like no no I've already got the gang so that was easy but now for, for a number of reasons that is diffused a bit so I'm in this slightly different situation and um, so yeah I mean like there's a number of ideas I can't sort of list them all but um, one of them is to let the group pick itself maybe have a month where everyone comes and lives together and then we all draw straws I don't know something so to take it away from me it's like the whole the whole premise of it is to 
to let go of power into the space so that we can all rub up against each other equally. And I think so much arrives, can arise out of you individually when that happens. And we know what it's like, you know, we all pamper a little bit to the rich guy, pamper a little bit to the, the famous person or whatever. It's like, it's, it's, part of, it's part of our society, it's how we live. And yet I think that even, even though so many of us think it's actually it's better to be the rich person, they struggle too, you know, they, they struggle too. And it's my genuine belief that we're, we're all better off when we're on a level playing field. And so everything that can be done to try and work towards that is is important but it's it's hard and for me it'll be a weird trip too you know because i've had freedom freedom to go and spend and do whatever i want for a long time and so to let go of that as well into a space is kind of terrifying but at the same time i just i guess i hold the belief and that's what pushes me forwards i hold the belief that i i will be happier and better off going on this journey Tell me if you come back and interview me in 10 years <laughs> see if it's worked or not. But, I, you know, you remember the times when you were at school and you're, you're just hanging out with your friends together. We're, or when I was in the Marines, even, you know, we were all on a level play. Okay, it's very hierarchical, but those of us who were in the same, at the same rank, the same level, we had the fucking whirl of a time. And, and, um, and the tribes I've lived with who understand that, they, they're you'll get your edges knocked off you you know you don't get away with the, the behavior that you might do if you're the rich guy you don't get away with it and so someone's like stop being a dick and then you have to stop being a dick and then you all go through that process of of sort of leveling out and i don't know i've i've been very sort of isolated and individual for a long time and there's a loneliness that comes from that too and actually to be with a group where you're all on the same journey with the same mission with the same value system and with the same understanding of connection to nature and beliefs and all the rest of it then I don't know my experience of living with tribes is that something emanates out of that that's actually really joyful and really beautiful and healthy and that's what I'm trying to emulate it's not proving easy but uh, that's, that's the mission anyway it's, it's an inspiring mission there's no doubt about it I think you know in theory this uh, sounds like a, a, a fa- you know an amazing idea but I think like ego is is at the root of all of this ultimately you know there's always an undercurrent of ego for most of us but you know to live in the kind of society that you're talking about like what you talked about the rituals of the, the Penan in your talk and it was like you know the women had all this power and there was this big giant dick thing that came out and pranced around a bit which was very fascinating of these like you know old rituals and things that were kind of emulating things in the past that kind of fired up that kind of real well macho kind of idea and people wanting to take over power but would you have a ritualistic concept to try and introduce your own community the thing I talk about in the talk is that narrative is really powerful and what we have in our society because we've been swimming in this paradigm of, of hierarchy and power for so long is that we, we kind of accept that that's the status quo that that's it's ever been thus and what I've noticed having had the privilege of meeting various tribes around the world is like 90% of the indigenous people I've lived with all still abide in a world of hierarchy and chiefs and shaman and power but there are a few, especially those prior to the agricultural revolution, who are living in a different world. And it's them that I'm interested in. And yes, they do have rituals that reignite and that they um, hold alive this narrative, this story of stopping power from getting out of hands and out of hand. And that's and that's what I'm interested in. It's the narrative because I think narratives are really really important we don't necessarily have to have a ritual but we have to buy into and believe in the narrative and your know, narratives are, as i said in the talk you know they're, they're the, the strongest sort of um forces in society in a way like money is a narrative nationalism is a narrative religions a narrative and they provide us ways of coming together and cooperating because we all agree and buy into the same story we also have at the moment a narrative in society that you know a rising tide raises all ships or that that you know that um that we, the, the more growth will bring us greater joy and happiness or technology will save the day and all of these things these are narratives and my understanding is that those narratives are taking us in the wrong direction and actually we're much better off 
simplifying and reducing a little bit and having a different narrative of more local and more uh, equal and more sharing and it, and that when I just say it like that that sounds so um, ridiculously romantic except that I've lived with people who who have that and the, the, the experience of being with them is so fucking phenomenal that I can't just ignore it. It's like, wow. And then when you, when you take into the equation that that might well have been our way of being on the planet for 90% of our time on here, and that actually this little blip now of hierarchy and power and, and all the rest of it has only come about since agriculture, since we left the tropics and abundant resources into scarcity and like getting through the winter and getting through the, the, the drought and hoarding. And that's where power came in and it may well have served us for a long time. But clearly we're in a situation now where we have to reevaluate where we're at, where we're at in the world. And this extraordinary disparity of wealth we have now with like a handful of people earning 50% of the world's fucking money um, is, is, is massively part of the problem. And so I don't know if it's clutching at straws or whether it's deep wisdom or what it is, I don't know. But I think that this is my answer to that. From all the things I've seen, it's like power is is at the heart of the issue and how do we try and create a way of being where that just doesn't happen all over again and that's why i talk in the in in the talk about revolution because like most revolutions that we can think of in history written history or uh, that that anyone can know about not know about that anyone that um that, that we know about has essentially replaced like with like because we're all living in the same paradigms like even the most well-meaning revolution often just ends up centralizing power again and then look at the you know politburo and the bolshevik revolution or whatever it's like well-meaning sharing revolution but ends up with centralized power again that just gets out of control once again so what these tribes have is is an understanding of decentralization where no one is allowed to get out of hand and no group gets out of hand and they work on that as a a, everyone understands the story and so everyone works on it as a fully empowered individual they don't have to go through someone else they all know in in their hearts and in their bones that that's the best way to be and they all work with that and so that's why i find narrative to be a really um central aspect to what I'm trying to do it's the story it's, it's believing in it actually we're all capable of creating our own narrative that is the beauty of life but I feel like you know you've had these as you call it privileged experiences where you have observed that way of living firsthand and I think unless you've actually experienced it and seen it you know you were talking about this beautifully humbling idea of kind of people giving stuff up because it has a deeper meaning and it brings them happiness in different formats and therefore giving something up in the short term like flying for example brings you happiness in the longer term because you know that you are making a change you're being the change that you wish to see in the world without sounding too cheesy quoting quotes but I feel like you know you have a purpose you have a deeper purpose which brings you to that point where you want to make a change but for other people that you know have got buckets of cash that you know can fly on their private jet from Ibiza there's a a new airline that started up to go island hopping in Mykonos and I'm like (laughs) It's just, it's, it's disgusting. It is actually quite nauseating. But ultimately, how, how are those people ever going to go, oh, you know what, I'm not going to fly anymore. Like, you're, it's difficult to bring the people that are in power down to see things from a different perspective because they're never going to bother their ass to go to Africa or Congo and check out the ways of being that are available. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've decided in my life, because I have a lot of friends who are incredibly wealthy and... and and I love them and I think they're wonderful people the way I look at it now is actually is to just do the work on oneself because ultimately just being European we're all powerful too I mean the rest of the world is looking at us just like we're looking at our friends who are flying around in private jets no, we're all part of it we're all hypocrites we're all excessive in our own right and so rather than pointing the finger and going if only they would stop doing that the, the better thing is to go how can I make a change in my life and that lets go of some of the resentment and the hatred and the finger pointing and it invites one to go on the inner journey and go okay if I have friends around me who have a similar um, similar belief system and similar value system and that we want to do this together that actually I can be fully nourished in my own right 
just with this group and I don't have to worry then about pointing the finger when in, in its own way that can be like a virus that's injected into the system to diffuse them anyway because ultimately most people with power are only having that power because we give it to them. We give it to them by buying their stuff or voting them in or whatever it is. And so we, we, that, that to me seems to be the, the better way to go around dealing with this situation is, is less sitting back and pointing and more just trying to change yourself. I think I, I believe that you kind of that journey started for you at home as you just explained within you because you went out this is obviously just me repeating stuff I've heard on somebody else's podcast I'm going to hold my hand up but um, <laughs> you were sort of saying that you realised that you were a bit of a, a stimulant junkie and I was like what's he been up to you know, sniffing glue or something and you were like no 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 I was out in the forest with one of these hunter-gatherer tribes and then you realise that the only way you were ever going to capture what it was that you were looking for was to be a bit more present in your own person and that you realised was the moment that you know you weren't very at home in your own vessel and I think that that brought you to having a few quiet winters in Ibiza and maybe going a little bit deeper in that meditation journey and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because is that not the catalyst for some of these changes that you've maybe kind of embarked upon? Yeah I think that spiritual spiritual traditions around the world for a long time have tried to find ways of healing and then bringing us more into connection I mean that's meditation, yoga, they've all got connection at their heart so it's chanting, yoga, ayahuasca, you name it, they've all attempts of society to try and bring us back into a place of feeling more empathically connected to that which is around us and that goes hand in glove with the other things that I'm doing and trying to talk about there has to be healing because you know we are all riddled with all sorts of psychological problems often as a result of like the type of society that we're born into you know they're very individualistic and very much um absorbing all the problems of our families you know in the family nuclear family is is not an ideal way to bring kids up and like we absorb all of the stresses that they have and spend the end of our spend the rest of our lives going sitting on the fucking couch trying to deal with it and so healing is clearly a part of it feeling more deeply is a part of it um and then all the other stuff on top as far as creating a society that has equality in its heart is part of it and they they all have to operate together i think but okay but I think a lot of people would like to be able to to meditate as we all know it's you know something you just have to sit with and have patience with and basically just keep keep on trying and I feel you know I think someone listening to this podcast might you know really put you on a pedestal perhaps in that department but where do you where did you even begin when you realized this in this moment that you had this real inability to sit with yourself and be quiet in your mind how did you begin in, in Ibiza in those quiet winters with your dog well, for me, it became clear that I had a problem because I was so addicted to stimulation, having been sent around the world, living with all these people. And like literally every day, it was like a conveyor belt of tens of people organizing things for me. So I just, every step I took was a new experience, a new place, a new part of the world, a new thing, all with lots of people laying out the carpet for me. So I was ex- extraordinarily addicted to stimulation. Um, and then and then I went to the Arctic for a few months on a trip pretending to be captain fucking scott and uh and uh and literally went into sensory deprivation for three months like with white as far as the eye can see in every direction no mountains no trees no foliage no birds nothing and i just it was like sitting in the corner of a of a room being sent to a detention by your teacher like facing the wall and like time slowed down and i and i realized i i couldn't escape the chatter of my mind and so that's what got me into meditating and what an amazing gift that those that, that was created by you know the buddha and all of the hindus before of um of learning to meditate that was that was a great great gift for me um and i forgot what the next bit i was going to say um no go on ask me i just you know where did where did you begin i mean literally oh, yeah, day no, one no, you no, were like you, what, yeah yeah so 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 i realized i had a problem but the but the thing is about also living with the Panan, and there's another group in Asia as well who are also egalitarian nomadic hunter gatherers, who and I should have said this in the tent, um, who who see any form of violence as a type of mental illness. I mean, they literally have almost no violence in their society at all. They're extraordinarily peaceful, and. And what that did for me was it, it made me question previous narratives that I was holding, which was more 
let's say scientific or even like genetic which is that actually some some of the stuff that we've got is just because it's inside me and actually um and that some people are just bad people there's an axis of evil and that, that we should be out fighting it or whatever the narratives are that we that we have in society and then realizing that no no there's some societies that just don't have any of that and so how can i hold to a narrative that just says that some aspects of some people are just bad when that's clearly not evident in these groups and what that did is it allowed me to reshuffle that view whereby I, I came to realize that actually beneath the layers of conditioning and beneath the layers of trauma that I was holding and experiencing was something really beautiful. And that if we can get to that place through whichever means we use to get there, that, that something really beautiful can be found. And that, that is the incentive to start. It's like so many people don't want to start on that inward journey because they think that beneath the layers it's fucking shit but it's like no 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 no, it's not i i believe it's not because i've lived with people who don't have those aspects in their society and and my own journey now that i went that i've been on it or i'm still on it but like you know that i've, I've that i've been on it for some time is that yeah every every layer that i remove something more beautiful arises and so that's the incentive. But to answer your question about what, what, what was the catalyst, it was a shift in belief in the, the understanding that the inner journey to heal led to something good. And that came from living with tribes. So you would obviously, well, I don't know, I think a lot of what puts a lot of people off of making that change or going a little bit deeper or unravelling all of that trauma that you talk about is like people are kind of scared of like what lives in there and actually when you sit with yourself it becomes more obvious or maybe very slowly that there is just a real state of bliss and peace and you know harmony with everything around us we're probably about to find out in these woods this weekend as uh, lots of people are going to be getting on the old psychedelics and dropping deep into nature and seeing all this like you know energy everywhere which I, I don't think a lot of people really get the experience to do because I think a lot of people are also quite scared of experimenting with psychedelics maybe they've had bad experiences when they're younger or yeah they're just like terrified of the madness of their own mind but you are someone that's not been afraid to take the odd bit of plant medicine and uh, and drop in and uh, you know particularly that one particular ceremony that you know where you really went in uh, for quite a number of days I mean how 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 was that I don't even know which one you mean. <laughs> they were all a bit like that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's always a bit weird doing it with a camera in your face. But um, no, but I guess by that stage, I had already come to the realisation that these tools, like so many societies around the world, have created and found tools or medicines, um, rituals for that. And that's what these things are. I mean, I think we mentioned Buddha, um, meditation earlier. I mean, what an extraordinary insight into how to heal like Vipassana is. I mean like wow, fucking hell. Uh, likewise with plant medicines, it's like it's a little bit more of a slap around the head with a wet fish, but it but it still has such deep, powerful, um, positive results if it's done right. So yeah, I, I think I think that these are all tools and that they should be um, courage is the wrong word but like uh, I'm, I'm f clearly fully for them if they're done right but I also have to humbly acknowledge that although you know there's a part of me that would like to put ayahuasca in the fucking drinking water and like let's all do it um, there's another part of me that also probably tastes better in Ibiza <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much how it is anyway out there isn't it um, my memory um but there's another part of me that fully, humbly acknowledges that we all carry different types of wounds and different levels of wounds. And although I may well have had um, the privilege of being able to clear out a lot of my closet and, and gain beautiful um, healing uh, moments in my life, I, I also am aware that that I probably wasn't carrying as much as some other people are. And, you know, and it's, it's, I get it that it's terrifying for people to look because some people have had a whole life of abuse, a whole life of, of, um, of many, many different problems. And, and so, yes, it was tough for me, 
but it's even tougher for many others and so I don't ever say that um, you should just go and do it you know people have to kind of find a have to kind of want to um, I mean I, I do think that these tools are desperately needed in society today um, and I do generally if I'm pushed to it encourage people to, to go on that journey because I think it's needed and like yes there will be some collateral damage because they're not always held well the ceremonies and there's ego and there's power and there's all sorts of problems especially with you know travelling shaman and, and gurus and all the rest of it they're, they're, it's not a it's not a perfect space by any stretch but nor is the society that we're in you know the way that we're living life today is causing unti- sort of like untold problems to others around the world and we need to change that and the, the, these tools including even the plant medicines which may be the most powerful of them and the most dangerous of them they, they definitely have their place and they're needed and like yeah so if I was put it in the water or don't put it in the water I would say put it in the fucking water and there will be problems but the problems probably won't be as much as we're already experiencing so yeah I'm an advocate and it's taken me a long time being a sort of TV character and a public figure to to come out of the closet and and get behind these things but you know time is ticking clock is ticking and something's got to shift because it's going to get uglier if it doesn't and so yeah I'm all for I'm all for all of these um, these medicines and tools being shared and used more uh, and I think that yeah can't can't really uh, can't really argue with it anymore I think ultimately they all lead you on the same journey which is deeper into the connection to self but I think you know I interviewed a, a director called Monty in uh, Goa at the start of the year who'd made a, a film called uh, I want to say George's Marvelous Medicine definitely wasn't called that it's called something like the magic magic medicine or something and it was about the first oh, magic medicine yeah, yeah. the first so trials of, uh, of, medicine, of psychocillabin uh, on yeah, London patients yeah. with yeah. depression and I, you know that's amazing but you know that was just a trial and it clearly worked but then all these people that had obviously had this incredible journey of like getting into it and feeling this lifting of, of the light coming back and then all of a sudden that was no longer available to them and they dropped back into a hole but now it looks like pharmaceutical companies are going to like take that on and start patenting it and you know making it their own in different formats and like selling it worldwide. Back to the power story again. So w- what do you think about that? Well, I, I saw the film too. I thought it was really good. I think his name is Monty, um, and uh, and everything he said is true. It's like you know that these people had a profound shift and then, but it was just one cl- clinical trial and then they're back to their normal lives and. Yeah, as we all know, anyone who's done a plant medicine, it's not it's not an instant cure. It's just an opening of a door, and you have to walk through it and and, and make the shifts in your own life. Having said that, I I wonder where they're at now. Those people, I think they probably will have had some positive impact in their life, um, even though it might not be the same as it was immediately after. There's probably something, but I think that um, yeah, the, the these these medicines and even these these tools, they can be corrupted. You know like gurus can get out of hand and, and cause all sorts of problems I don't know if you've seen uh, Wild Wild Country I mean wow what a film that is. you have to watch it it's a documentary about Osher and like so clearly it, again in the wrong narrative where we give all our power away to the shaman or we give all our power away to the to the to the guru there's opportunity for corruption and so I think that the, the, the medicine is 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 a beautiful tool all of these medicines are beautiful tools but they have to be con- contextualized within a, a broader understanding of what it is that we want to be and do we all want to just be serfs to a guru or is it actually about empowering us all individually and and healing us all individually and so i think that the, the medicines are one thing but then also i'm a big as you heard me talk a minute ago a big advocate of the narrative and the narrative has to be about disseminating power and, and decentralizing power and I think otherwise it could just lead back to the same That's so interesting I have about a million more questions but I feel like I don't want to take up too much of your time I feel yeah I think 
yeah, the narrative is obviously a, a strong force, but it's interchangeable with so many others. And being in these kind of environments, like you're just conf- constantly influenced by other outside forces. But it sounds like you're in lockdown now in Wales, and you kind of like just said to yourself, "This is it. This is my path. This is what I'm going to create my own little piece of Penang in Wales." Whereabouts in Wales? I have interest. I'm near, I'm near Aberystwyth, inland from Aberystwyth. Um, yeah, I mean, lockdown, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm clearly, even though I'm doing something very local, I, I, I still have a global view and a global vision, and I'm doing it f- uh, for myself and for those around me and for the natural world around me, but also with a deep hope that that can be something that's beneficial for a much wider um, group of people too. So I'm, 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 I haven't sort of relinquished an attempt to try and turn the boat around, even though I'm also building a life raft and um, and finding my own joy as well. So all of those things are mixed in into it. And yeah, there are lots of narratives. Um, but I guess the one I'm holding on to is the one that um, has affected me most. You know, and that's it. You know, we are we are all the product of our upbringing and all the experiences we've had in life. And I've, I'm very lucky that I've had extraordinarily privileged insights into other ways of being. And until I'd met the Penan, I would have, having lived with all these other tribes, and lots of people don't forget, go and visit a tribe and have an extraordinary experience and come back and think that's like our ancient way. But the great privilege I had was having met so many, realizing there were so many ways of living out there, and then meeting a group like the Penan and realizing, oh fuck, this, it's like I said in the, in the talk, it's like, this is a group of people, it's like almost like everyone else I've met in the world all the tribal groups and all the nation states and all my friends and everyone on one side and then here there's a group of people on the other side they were that different and so I'm curious about their narrative more than the others because their narrative was the way that we were for 90% of our time on the planet and it was the one that sustained us without these peaks and troughs that we're now experiencing um, in harmony with our environment for 185,000 years or whatever it was I mean that is a pretty fucking cool narrative that stood the test of time and all the other narratives that are coming out now the paradigm we're in now are ones of just explaining away the the nonsense that we're getting on with and so yeah there's lots of other narratives but guess what I'm interested in the one that fucking works and has done for a long time and it might be an impossible dream it might well be an impossible dream but it's going to be pretty hard to shake me off it because I've been there and I've seen it and I believe it and that's why I'm trying to replicate it and just honestly hats off to you I really wish you the best of luck with that and I'm, I think you should make like a sort of a big brother for, you know for, for us all to watch this wonderful reality story unfold though luckily luckily everyone that I've spoken to about coming is like over my dead body will we have cameras and I'm like phew it might work because, of course, the reason that all these fucking shows don't work is because everyone's going there because they want to be on TV or because they because it's an ego trip. And actually to have a collective view with a long-term philosophy and not just about me and now and how I'm going to get famous so I can go out into the world and then have my riches, that's clearly not going to work, whereas what we're, what we're attempting might. And... You know, it's a it's an uphill struggle to say the least, and in a world where we're surrounded by the paradigm that thinks incredibly differently. But hey, you know, so what? Let's give it a go. Why not? It'd be fun. And where are you going to put this advert? That's what I want to know. I'm not putting any fucking adverts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep it quiet. It's not working. <laughs> We're on a well. I'm sure no one really listens to this podcast, but if they do, it's yeah, it's probably a, a reasonable platform. I know, everyone's in Ibiza having a whale of a time. I had to leave Ibiza in order to do this. You're having too much of a whale of a time. Is that the problem, man? Uh, having a whale of a time. No one's listening out there. It's like oh god, another group of people in Ibiza having a whale. No one's. It's like just living in paradise. It's like no one's going to be inspired by that. <laughs> you lucky bastards. <laughs> anyway <laughs> it's so true though but what was you know you talk about this nonsense when I know you don't like to finger point but what what yeah, is what bit, is your... a bit of a slip wasn't it nonsense sorry about that I know I quite liked it but you know describe nonsense well look you turn on the television more stuff will make you happy more fame will make you happy more money will make you happy and like there's a privileged few who've gone down that path and got to the end and 
realize that it's not what makes you happy. I was very lucky that I touched on various areas of this and it became very clear to me that these narratives of what will make you make you happy are taking us in almost 180 degrees the wrong direction. So that's what I mean by these nonsense narratives. It's like they, they serve something, but they don't necessarily serve us. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I've, I've had the privilege of, of meeting people with different narratives. And, and so, yeah, that's why I threw that little line in. Sorry about that. I like the fact that you said that you were sort of like dining out on these stories in, in another podcast I was listening to with you and you were sort of saying that you know ultimately you'd gone to all these indigenous tribes and cultures around the world witnessed all this sort of stuff and then you were like thrust into the middle of these uh, you know posh parties like you know drinking champers and nibbling on caviar and sort of you know grandstanding at tables ultimately because that's kind of what was sort of maybe expected of you and you were pushed into that place where maybe that wasn't really a happy place for you no, I loved it. <laughs> what are you talking about? I loved it. You know, this is the this is the thing. It's like, it's like the last words of my film. I think I said this in the tent a minute ago. It's like, um, where the Panan, who's like, you know, they, the last words in the film to why I made it. Like they say, I don't know about planes or cars, but if it doesn't last forever, I don't want it. Unlike the forest, which lasts till the end of time. And what I take away from that myself is that they don't think that planes and cars are shit of course they don't planes and cars are great just like champagne and caviar and partying is fucking great it's great it's just that they have found something else that's more great and what that is is their children that's what it is and so when you shift your attention from your own great what's good for me into something beyond yourself like my kids and their kids and you genuine truly I mean like obviously parents are going to listen to this and say how dare you I love my kids too but like they are loving their kids in a way that they genuinely they genuinely are happy to forgo all of these things because they found their meaning and therefore deride their happiness in something else and so yeah the planes and cars are great but they would rather have the forest because they can see that the forest will keep them going forever that's fucking cool and like so it's just about shifting again shifting narrative shifting belief shifting where we place our meaning it's like where do you want to put it and like for me the champagne lost its fizz in Ibiza it did I'd seen too much of the world I'd been down the Amazon taking all sorts of enjoyable um, stuff and then you know I go and see how cocaine's made in the Amazon and it's like it took me months to to figure out um, that that I needed to shift the way I was living my life you know but like but you had but like soon enough the awareness comes first and then the shift comes later and how is cocaine made in the amazon come on abitha is listening to this podcast it needs to hear it yeah no it's like it's it's i went and made a tv show and you just look at all the paraffin and petrol that's that's used and then it's all thrown straight into the rivers and you know and you could say oh well if we just you know regulated it it would be fine and maybe that's true but even so it's not what's happening now and like most of the stuff we get comes through all sorts of illicit avenues and and you know and by the way I am not perfect I mean I haven't I haven't done cocaine in like 10 years but you know I, I am still I drove here on my own in a car you know I am so not on a pedestal I am full of of my own hypocrisies but like I think I said a minute ago as well it's like I'm not beating myself up I'm just trying to make the changes where I can and and that's it you know and so buying a house in Wales and and trying to live in community and all these sorts of things is just my attempt to put into practice these things I've learned and I'm of course I'm still fully hypocritical I'm still making all sorts of blunders everywhere but I'm not beating myself up because I didn't I didn't create this we're just the generation that's waking up to it and if you beat yourself up too much then you just end up going fuck it and then let's go to the bar and forget about it but I, I haven't I don't have that belief because I do think that we can shift something around and I also do think we can change our lives to make them just as fun and just as magical without the need for all those things and like, I just spent a week in Scotland with friends and we 
you know we just hung out and went swimming in the rivers and we had the best time imaginable and we didn't need or use hardly anything at all and like they're the most they're the most fun times in my life and I think many people if you ask them what's the where the where, what are your memories what are your mo- most favorite memories from when you grew up or even from any moment of your life and they're very unlikely to say when I bought them new Mercedes they're going to go well when I was with my family or my friends under that tree and we just fucking got pissed or took mushrooms or whatever it was <laughs> you know and like that's that's what we can replicate and so yeah I, I've got a long way to go a long long way to go before I'm living like really in harmony with with nature but but I I don't beat myself up when I have a kebab every now and then you know but I do try and do better all the time sometimes I slip and that's okay and I'm, I'm good with that I really didn't have you down as a kebab man you just all that pedestal is just toppled right over I have to throw the kebab in in the last two minutes of the chat because otherwise people would do think I'm on a fucking pedestal you know yeah <laughs> it was going well into that point, Bruce. I was uh, seriously sitting at your feet like I am now with your harem sister over there, Cheryl, my best friend, <laughs> observing, thinking, Sorry, wow. Cheryl, I ate a kebab. It's the way it went, <laughs> with chilli sauce. <laughs> well, that, that makes up for it. There's um, a bit of spice of life in there. I mean, what was the last thing I was going to say to you? I think, you know, yeah, these little subtle changes that we can all can all do each day and, and I liked what you said in there about not beating yourself up too much and I think you know we can all make these little changes and they are daily decisions even the little things make bigger changes in the long term if we're all going to get together and try which is why it's nice as I say to be in this field and to be connected and grounded in the forest for a couple of days just to feel a little bit more yeah in amongst it and um, and that connection to all of the things that are here and available to all of us but mostly we disconnect from it by choice on a daily basis and um, yeah it's I don't want to let you off too much Joe. <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> you know like feeling good about just doing plastic bag not taking plastic bags to the shopping mall <clears throat> is is okay but you know we do actually need to make big shifts and like they may take some time and we, let's not beat ourselves up but we've got to keep our eye on the ball we do have to keep our eye on the ball and it's not the little sort of little stuff along the way yes but we've also got to make big shifts too and so that might take some time before we, we have the courage or the ability to make these big sort of life shifts but they're, they're, they're important too I mean like I, I'm better at making big life shifts than I am like the little stuff in a way and, 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 I, and I'm okay with that too because that's, that's important Okay, I'm going to ask you one last question, and this is a bit, bit, bit naughty, but you know, you talked earlier about being. You mentioned the word lonely, which stuck out for me. Where, where, where does you know? You've got all these wonderful, incredible things that you've observed, and you've obviously taken it away with you. Is that is that what's driving you to create these communities? Is that where you think? I mean, you know, there's so many people are dying from loneliness in this modern age right now. There's really a lot of pain and suffering and trauma being caused from so much disconnection and loneliness. I think a lot of people are lonely out there. Like it's it's an epidemic. Yeah, did I say that I was lonely? Well, you didn't. I don't know. You used that word at somewhere, and it just okay. suddenly caught my attention. And I was like, I'm going to ask him about that. Okay. I wasn't saying, are you lonely? Are you no, lonely, no. Bruce? No, 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 no. Uh, it, it, it's a good one to pick up on. It's interesting that I've started my community and it's just me living on my own. So, <laughs> That's far. So, so, I mean, I, there's a lovely group of people living around me and, and I'm having a great time engaging with them. And actually, in, uh, ironically, even though I didn't plan to be on my own for this long, um, that's turned out to be a blessing because I'm now... Um, connecting with the local community before I bring in a whole bunch of people and that's that's been necessary and important um, and so yeah right now yeah actually yeah I the, one of the reasons I said yes to all these festivals because normally I don't go and give talks was because I was like yeah yeah I fancy getting out there I am um, I have landed in a pretty um, isolated place I mean plan is not to be very isolated for long but um but yeah so I get I know loneliness I know what it's like I've, I'm an incredibly social person I've got many many friends but I'm but sort of dabbling with notoriety is an interesting one for um, all sorts of relationships I, I've, I've spread myself very thin and I've moved around a lot and Ibiza was definitely like 
the happiest time in my life in that I had wonderful friends there and I was there f it was like the longest I've ever been anywhere so I really settled in and found deep friends and it was very very hard to leave and so leaving that to go to a place where I don't know anyone um, has has a twinge of loneliness about it but um, but but that's okay because I'm on a mission and the mission is has got definitely community at its heart so I, I don't feel that I'm I don't feel that I'm um, going to be lonely for long um, but uh, yeah I think that the the modern age with the sort of like, the cult of individualism and the social media world and our ever-increasing wealth has brought us more and more and more into loneliness you know the more money you have the more possessions you have the bigger your house has, you know all of this stuff just ends up putting us more and more in the center of a tiny little world on our own and and like money's an interesting one it's like you don't have to engage with people you know it's like you you don't have to you don't have to engage with people in the same way you know especially the people that are providing you with things and so yeah I've, I've also been enjoying not having much money recently and like that's scary having been able to just never look at a receipt for years and years and years and then suddenly toying with not having a lot of cash and, and that's good because you end up having to be with people and communicate with people and ask people for stuff and all, all of these things I just think it's another one of the narratives that, that, that I'm talking about it's like all of this stuff Charles Eisenstein wrote a really good book called uh, The Ascent of Humanity and he, and he looked at so many aspects of the way that we're living our life and each one of them is taking us as he would say into the journey of separation and that's what it is like more fame you know I've got thousands of people coming up to me but and loads and loads of friends but you end up having less close friends in a way because you're spread so thin like you've got so many people who are attracted to me that you end up less less likely to have a long-term partner and all of this stuff is like this is the journey that we're all on and and yet it takes us further and further away from each other and social media is the same you know like possessions and houses and the rest of it it's like they're they they're bringing us into isolation and separation and the separation is so often and at the heart of our addiction and addiction is what's fucking eating the planet you know, we like making up for our lack of connection through stuff. So I'll go and buy more fucking shoes or go shopping or whatever to fill the void that is actually always used to be filled by connection to people and place. And I don't have connection to people and place anymore, so I'll just fill the void. And there's so much now evidence that suggests that the best cure for addiction is actually community and connection that's what we're fucking missing and needing and all of us are addicted whether you're addicted to power or you're addicted to drugs or you're addicted to shopping whatever it is they're all addictions and they're making up for something that's missing and that thing that's missing i believe is connection to self each other and nature there was that little experiment with the mice in the tank and yeah. basically they put one uh, tube of water with the crack in it and the other one without and the mouse that was on his own was uh, you know rocketing backwards and forwards to the pipe with or the water tank with all the crack in it because he was obviously lonely and depressed and the mouse who had all the people around him and all the friends to play with and the, all the toys was yeah just drinking the normal water and he had the option to have the crack pipe but he didn't want it because yeah. he was happy Reset. and that is you know a very very great and interesting example yeah. of yeah loneliness equals addiction food booze drugs sex whatever it's, it's always something especially in Ibiza especially in Ibiza love Ibiza love it so much well, what do you miss most about it well obviously right now I miss my friends because I love them dearly and um, I had a very very enjoyable time the other thing I really miss about Ibiza is the open heartedness you know I, there wasn't a single person I ever met without a hug I mean I had to re re relearn handshaking when I came back to England and um, the weather's pretty good um, food's pretty good lifestyle I mean like it, it is paradise I, I never thought I'd return I never thought I'd leave but what I what I saw in the world made me realize that I have a responsibility you know I've got 
I am a, I have a public voice and that voice is definitely more powerful back home I'm not going to talk about land laws in Spain they're going to fuck off you know whereas I come back here and it's like hey I, I'm from here I can have the difficult conversation and I, I am of this place and it's been a beautiful reconnection to this place this landscape and it is amazing and that's just another switch in the head you know I used to miss the weather and now I don't think about it it's like love the snow and the rain it's all good you know it's just attitude so yeah I do I miss I miss Ibiza when I either see friends who are from there or I somehow catch a photograph it's like oh my god I used to live in paradise isn't that amazing um, <laughs> but I don't dwell on it on a daily basis it's just it's just where somewhere I was and it served me very well at a time when I was gaining notoriety back here and of course in Ibiza everyone's super cool so you don't get hassled for being a, a name or a face and so that allowed me to live a very normal life uh, which would have been harder if I was making Tribe and Amazon and stuff while I was in the UK you get a bit more um, attention if you will so, so Ibiza served me amazingly um, and, uh, and I do miss it and my heart, a big part of my heart will always be there but it's, it's nice knowing that my friends are still there and I can always visit I'm not flying this year annoyingly so I, I a couple of like weddings and stuff that I'd love to have been at that I couldn't make everyone else just nipped in and out and I was like oh god it's going to take me days <laughs> I just can't do it so you know but that's okay because I'm on a different trip I'm just on a fucking different trip and like if we all really sit with ourselves and go what do the international panel for climate change say it was like we got what 12 years and come on I mean it's not a fucking hard one to figure out we've got to fucking shift and if that means sacrificing or not sacrificing just change just just changing the way we live a little bit well that's okay it's okay I'll, I'll have a great week I'm not going to my friend's wedding but I'll have a good time back home it's alright it's not the end of the world don't need to do it it's the FOMO though I think that stops most people from giving all sorts of things up that they like to have done and that is a, a, a social media modern day ism it absolutely is and I, I you know I'm fucking 50 and I still have FOMO it's like come on when are you going to grow up Bruce um, but get over it place your meaning somewhere else I love the fact you've still got a bit of the sparkle pony about you as well a little bit of Ibiza around your eyes got a bit of glitter on you oh you put a little bit on this morning <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Ibiza I have to, I'll have you know we do it in England too <laughs> for those who haven't been we enjoy a bit of sparkle in a wood <laughs> we certainly do and I, I, please don't go changing ever never grow up because oh. you're absolutely bloody marvellous frankly and nice. uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the podcast and thank you so much for making the time I kind of had to drag you away from your harem over there it was quite a struggle oh thanks Joe. nice to meet you too it's the Reset Rebel it's the Reset Rebel it's the Reset Rebel Reset Rebel Coming to you every day